to episode three of What's Your Jam? Conversations about what makes us happy over a cup of tea and a jam scone. My guest today is Jim Yoshioka, and she is a comic artist and communications advisor. She is also super great and brought me candy. So uh, heads up, future guests. That is where the bar currently sits, and I will expect nothing less. Uh, as a Pacific customary, I've got a wee disclaimer for today's episode. Um, we talked briefly about Hiroshima and its history, and I don't think we covered anything particularly gory or graphic or anything like that, but, you know, it's a pretty dark topic, so there's a heads up in case you needed it. Anyway, here is episode three, my chat with Jem. Enjoy. Have a nice time. And it's working. This hey, is great. Hey. <laughs> Yay! Thank you so much. This is so awesome. Yeah, you're welcome. Yay! It's great. Uh, so, so you you suggested yourself because of uh, artist, comic artist, which is awesome, and and also like your specific autobiography, autobiographical work. But you do lots of other things as well, right? Like comic artist is like your kind of your passion mm. and your creative pursuit. But what's your day job? Uh, so I'm working as a communications advisor mm-hmm. uh, for the Public Service Association. The Public Service Association. What does that do? Uh, so it's the union for public servants in New Zealand. Right. Great. So you work for a union? Yeah, we're yeah. for a union. Yay. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. I love unions. They're great. We were talking about unions earlier in the last episode. We were talking about the New Zealand Prote- Protectives, Prostitutes Collective. Oh, yes, yeah. So, yeah, like all the work they do to support their, yeah. Yeah, it was really great. <laughs> so Public Service Association. And so you, sorry, what was the job you do for them? Again, uh, communications advisor. Communications advisor. Is it like online communications? Or? Um, mostly that's my focus. But I, I mean, we're, we're a small team. So we sort of work together across a whole bunch mm-hmm. of stuff. So great. Um, yeah, from digital through to print media and, and pretty much just wherever there's a wherever there's a comms need, where's a team try and fill it. And so yeah. sometimes that's me. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's everybody. Sometimes it's everybody, like when there's industrial action going down and you've got to all of a sudden, you know, respond to media requests to make sure your members are informed and get information out to the public about what's happening. Yeah. yeah so it can get pretty heated. Yeah, so like really like direct, quick messaging. Yeah, yeah. And it all has to be um, obviously very legally um, verified and stuff. Yeah, you can't go saying things that no, aren't. Um, especially with the recent law changes and things in the last oh, few what, years. What was the specific laws? Um, so <laughs> it's <laughs> all right if you don't have the exact um, details because I'm going to do like a disclaimer at the beginning yeah, and I can yeah. be like, nothing in this podcast yes. is don't, legal advice. No, none of this is legal advice. Um <laughs> It's more about the way that the unions can operate. So right. there's specific. If we're going to take strike action, then we have to notify in a very specific structure right. about that. And so there's certain activities that didn't used to you didn't used to have to notify, and mm-hmm. you know, or used to be able to notify quickly, mm-hmm. and now you have to notify and with 14 days right. lead in time. So right. sometimes that can get a bit heated when you got your organizer out there going like, "No, I want to do it now," and you're like, Ugh. you know, get get the heat you know the heat's on and it's like well you know we legal obligations to mm-hmm. deal with here and stuff so the comms team kind of has to sit in between the legal team and the organizers to balance oh. that stuff out what a fun job mm, can be yeah I really <laughs> like it. so so 
that's interesting because I'm just thinking about the, the work you do as a graphic artist mm. is very different kind of communications. Yeah, yeah. Because like, so your day job is like very specific, like this is how you have to communicate and these are the rules. Um, then... Yeah, mostly. I mean, we do have a bit of freedom around that. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, we get to have quite a bit of fun to do with campaigns as well. Mm. So one of our big campaigns at the moment is um, Equal Pay. Mm-hmm. So there's been a lot of awesome and fun stuff we've been able to do in that space because, um, I mean, it's a really it's a really fun thing to work on. I mean, mm-hmm. it's very difficult to argue that men and women should not be paid equally. It's that, uh, the, I guess the thing you're arguing about is the fact that they are. Like, it's yeah. not that they should be, it's, it's that, that they're, they, not. they're not. Yeah. yeah. Um, although um, we've, we're getting better at discussing that with people who disagree. We're like, really, do you feel like a care worker who looks after somebody in their home is really any less qualified to do their job than, say, a corrections officer who's mm. um, who's in a prison and in some kind of custodial role. Yeah, it's that ways. comparative work as opposed to exactly the yeah, same job yeah. thing, right? So, so yeah. that's the bit where we're still kind of trying to to really... I mean, that's it's difficult to compare uh, different roles from each other and that's, yeah. the, um, that's been the challenge to, to make a case for this. But mm. we're getting closer... And so hopefully this year we'll be able to actually get women a, a decent pay rise. We just both cross our fingers, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> listeners. Um, so yeah, so that's and, and so that's all your day job stuff. And is, and do you feel as like passionate about that work as you clearly do about your your drawing and your and your art? Um, yeah, I do. I mean, I'm I feel incredibly lucky that I've been able to get this this really awesome balance between the work that I do. Uh, in my in my day job for my 40 hours a week and mm. then the fact that that balances really nicely with my illustration work mm. um, I you know I really like working in the communication space and like you say there is an awful lot of overlap in terms mm. of being able to communicate with people mm. um, just because one is a more creative um, you know personal message and one is um, one is um, me using it for my job um, there's yeah there's an awful lot of stuff that matches and mm-hmm. I can use skills that I develop in one and the other which mm-hmm. has been incredibly useful um yeah I'm really uh, when I when I was first left um, when I first graduated from design school I made a little promise to myself that I'd never get a regular job and I'm so <laughs> so glad that I failed miserably at that yeah. because working regular jobs is actually one of the things that's helping me to grow as an artist and, oh really yeah, how, yeah. How so? um well, working working in retail helps me to to get more in touch with people. Mm-hmm. You know, actually, spent you know, I was very shy. I'm an insanely shy person, <laughs> and being forced to to deal with human beings mm-hmm. who I otherwise would never have talked to or even looked at, um, you know, did a lot for my confidence. But it also did a lot for me to understand just how people work and mm-hmm. how to communicate with them and people that I wouldn't necessarily have thought would be interested in the stuff that I'm talking about actually there's a lot of you know you can't actually judge somebody that that quickly on those sorts of things and so by working in that kind of a space and and realizing how how many kind of skills well how how much skill goes into to supporting and and doing doing a good service job Mm. really um yeah it really helped me to work out that the elements of that that I could use within my storytelling and within the way that I broadcast and share my art. So, yeah. yeah. Retail. Interesting. <laughs> Retail, customer service. Because it's, it's all about, like, 
It's all about going, what do I want this person to understand? Yeah. What's the best way to say those things to them? Yeah. That's going to have the I, effect that I want. Yeah. How do I communicate with them and how do I fulfill their need? Because, you know, in retail and, in, you know, in any customer service, people are coming to you because they have a need. So, yeah. you know, I think that's the same with... Um, with creative work as well, people are coming to you because they have a need, like they have something. That's that why they, they want sort to, out yeah, your art. exactly. They, you know, they want to feel something, and so mm-hmm. being able to identify that um, in a in a retail environment was actually really useful to being able to work out how to better tap into that with my creative work. Oh man, that's great! So yeah, I got out of my own head a bit, which was a real a real benefit to both me and my work that's good yeah and you stop going like oh what's this about what's mm. you know like looking inwards and then you go yeah. wait what's this about yeah, the relationship yeah. between me and you yeah. and it's not to say that by fulfilling their need you're not doing what you mm. need but i guess no. it's about spotting that, con- that connection yeah it's the connection stuff and i think that's um that's something that's really powerful about comics as an art form is mm-hmm. that it's really intensely about that communication between um, between audience and reader I think more so than I mean all art is obviously but um, because it's got it's it sort of occupies this really strange space between illustration and you know it's not quite animation and it's not quite uh, you know it's not quite a poetry and it's not quite prose and it's not quite anything mm-hmm. else it's sort of this blend of all of these different disciplines yeah. together and and through doing that it becomes this really unique um, this really unique art form that um, that uh, you know specific people re- it resonates with more than others. I think that yeah. that you know because it can be exhausting to read comics because you've got to look at the pictures and think about what the what the story is telling, what the pacing is doing, all yeah. of these kinds of stuff. And you've really got to struggle. put to, you've got to put it together yourself as well. It's mm. like it's like having to you know crank the wheel on a um, zoetrope yourself in order to get the animation to happen. Like for the story to happen, yes. you've got to participate, and it can be quite exhausting. Yeah. I used to struggle because I'm a really fast reader. Yeah, and I would read too quickly, and then at the end I'd be like, that was weird. And then I'd realize that like I was missing half of the story yeah, because I wasn't taking the time, the time to, to sort of observe it. it. Yeah, yeah. I found that iPad readers make that really helpful. Yes, because yeah. they. Yeah, like the ones where you can sort of get it so that it leads you panel yeah, to panel, yeah, like it goes, yeah. this is the order that you should read these, yeah. and this is everything that goes with that bit of text. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, thank you. Yes. <laughs> I need the spoon feed to me. <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully a, a, good com- a good comic structure has those sorts of cues within it. But mm. again, yeah, you need somebody who's who's fluent in being able to actually yeah. read comics. Like so you, it's good, like training wheels. Always. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So how long have you been making graphic novels, comics? What do you what um, do you call them? Comics? Um, I call them comics. Cool. Um, yeah, I feel yeah, I feel like they are comics. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like that's the term that fits the best for for what they are. Mm-hmm. I've been making them since I was, I don't know, like I I started writing stories from a really young age mm-hmm. and you know th- all through high school I had sort of like my angst hero who I would s- <gasps> scribble in my in my notebook and their best friend and all of the adventures that they'd go on mm-hmm. through their magical fantasy world and so great everyone had a sword and was, you know <laughs> yes yes all of that kind of stuff yeah and um yeah it was always supposed to be a comic but um I spent so long in the world building that yeah. you know I only ever got out like you know half a chapter or whatever before I um, before you got exhausted um, trying to sort of bring it to life. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, so sort of bits and pieces here and there for several years, like lots of sort of stops and starts on mm-hmm. sort of webcomic projects as like young, like a teen and, <laughs> and a, you know, in my late teens and stuff. Um, yeah, me and my best friend both had our sort of webcomics up 
um, on sort of free hosting and right. Yeah, you know, Are they updating. Still there? Probably, but I'm scared to look. <laughs> <laughs> is your name attached? Can we find it? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing some googling later on. This is going to be great. Mm. Audience, if you want to Google Jim Yoshioka, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll be up there. There's there's definitely some archive stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's awesome. So, and and did the did what was what would drove you to, to start doing them, and what's led you towards more the autobiographies? Because you've done that a yeah, lot yeah, more recently. I've, eh? um, so I've been doing autobiography autobiography stuff for probably the last two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess there, there was sort of like a progression shift in, in terms of sort of going from when I was like a tiny baby teen making web comics, mm-hmm. um, you know, releasing, you know, one, like one to three pages at a time. That was kind of, that was my formula. And that was like the, the predominant formula of how people release their comics was the idea was that you'd have a story and you'd just kind of get into it. And it was an epic and you just release two to three pages at a time and forever. And all of my favorites sort of did that. Yeah. Um, or I followed like a lot of strip comics where that was, you know, that was the formula. And so they just like really they were big, epic, but they were sort of self-contained. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. or or they were just a strip. So it's just like, here's, a, you know, one page and that's mm-hmm. the whole, that's the whole thing or, you know, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, over, you know, I went to design school and then you don't have any time to make comics because you're spending all of your time learning to do learning design, to stuff. design stuff. Um, and then I got sick. Um, during design school so um, I got chronic fatigue syndrome so I didn't have any energy for school so I certainly didn't have any energy for drawing outside of school um, did and, you just delay school for a bit uh, I, with that or? no I pretty much tried to do both at the same time because it was pretty stubborn um, so I was I you know I pretty much you know it's like a big black hole yeah. That, that I don't I don't really have many memories from how the hell I got through that but, but you obviously did. I did somehow yeah. <laughs> um I did um I did have to do an extra semester to make up a couple of papers but yeah. you know considering considering how sick I was it's kind of incredible that is impressive and surely they would have given you like compassionate yeah they've got some and... compassionate passes and stuff yeah. because of um because of the state that I was in oh, but man. yeah it was it was full on yeah mm. um so, so that was, and that took up about five years being sick. So I got sick in second year of school, and then I was so five years. Yeah, I'm yeah. So sorry, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's in the past now. Yay! So. Um, and I mean, you know, like like any experience like that, I'm I'm almost grateful for it in the end because it taught me a lot of really important life lessons in terms of what basic self care is. You know, mm-hmm. like it's not. You know, sometimes you do just need to listen to your body and be like, right, that's as far as I can go today. Mm-hmm. You know, that's it. Like, I need to put whatever it is I'm doing down and I need to go and just put the TV on and I need to, just do you know, just do nothing while. for a little while. I need to, you know, I need to take time just to make sure that my basic needs are being met mm. and, you know, that I'm, that my body is functioning correctly. Mm. That I have had a shower, that I have mm. brushed my teeth, mm. had a nice drink of tea leaf tea. That was a sweet yes, plug there. Yeah, yeah, tea leaf, yeah. <laughs> We're drinking Berry Luscious and Chai, and they're both delicious. Anyway. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, so I'm not saying that everybody should get chronic fatigue syndrome. No. Definitely do not no. get chronic fatigue syndrome if you can avoid it. Yeah. Um, and if you have it, you, um, I, you, you know, I know how you feel. You're in our hearts. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's yeah, definitely. Like I'm a different person now than mm. I was before I got sick, and mm. I'm kind of I'm I'm at the point now. I'm I'm sort of far enough away from from my illness, and um, 
that I'm able to look back at it and not feel anger or or um yeah I can imagine you would feel anger about that I mean five years yeah I I was angry for a very long time like I felt like my career had been taken from me and that that you know there used there was a path that had been laid out in front of me and it was the path where you never got a day job and yeah well that kind of yeah that kind of stuff you know I got a book deal or I got an or I did get a job but it was like a nice cushy graphic design job back when those existed (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) oh the golden days yeah Yeah. um but then the the, the, um as you know while I was sick the door very much slammed shut on that because a global financial crisis hit and so yeah all of the kinds of more smushy jobs ended up getting smushed (laughs) (laughs) they were smushy they they got more smushed and then the pay went from all rights to in the toilet so even yeah. if you could get one of those jobs it went from being you know decent paid to mm-hmm. to not at all so wow. yeah so i'm i'm very lucky that i have a diverse skill set and i've been yeah. able to um to get more into writing which has mm-hmm. meant that i've been able to pursue uh communications rather than just purely graphic design mm-hmm. sorry a little, yeah. little <laughs> <laughs> mm. um that's cool and so and and so you've had like this I'm not, I was going to say cushy day job, but mm. sta- stable day job. Yeah, that means that in the time since then you've gone. Oh, actually, this means that I am doing something else to pay my bills, and I can just focus on the art for the yeah, art's yeah. sake. So um, during the like after I got sick, mm-hmm. um, and I was starting to come back into work, mm-hmm. I realised that I didn't really want to be doing big long projects anymore with my comics Mm -hmm. so at that point I started working on stuff that was more sort of standalone so Mm -hmm. it was fiction but it was kind of just more pieces that you know it's like 20 pages long or 12 Mm. pages long and that's that's it that's the story so I worked on I worked on a couple of sort of small comics like that which um which you know I just would share online on the self-published one through pledge me (laughs) yay which one was that that one sunshine yeah I've got concrete. Yeah. Was that before or after? That Sunshine? was after. Yeah. Oh, cool. So yeah, Sunshine was the first one that I that I did in that kind mm-hmm. of a way, and it took ages because I was working a forty hour a day, you know forty hour a week mm-hmm. retail job, and then I would come home and I was doing I was doing f- like animation freelance where I was designing asset like illustrating assets for an animation company. And um, around that side of that, I was um, I was trying to squeeze in um, this Making comic. Making a comic as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this, the story was, it was, you know, it was very short and it was something that I wrote on one piece of paper and it was like, every word is more or less perfect when I wrote it down the first time. Yeah. And um, so then I spent, I spent like nearly a year working on the pictures mm-hmm. just when I could, I drew it on a, like really expensive watercolor paper. Um, and then I inked it in and it looked beautiful and then I went to watercolour it and my ink was not watercolour. Oh, no. It was not water safe, so I was like, Oh no. So I had to um so I scanned it in and I ended up colouring it digitally by mm-hmm. using sort of watercolour effects to oh, give gosh. that give that kind of a texture. But I yeah, I sort of was like, I'm so stupid. Oh, no. <laughs> I spent so long inking this thing and now I can't colour it. Oh, no. Do you um, still have those though? Do you still have yes, those? Pages? Yeah, they're somewhere. Yeah. They're yeah. they're in a folder somewhere. So they, you know, and they they look nice um, the way that they are. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I don't regret putting all of the effort into the digital. I mean, into the um, into the sketch and into the inks and mm-hmm. um, and by hand. But um, I didn't actually end up redrawing a lot of it digitally anyway. You did, yeah. Oh, once yeah. I once I got it into 
um, the program because it was just like actually this face needs changing and this, this and you can like and once you it's can, in you're yeah. like oh I can do yeah, it and now. it's like oh you know that perspective is wrong this um this background actually needs to be completely different and yeah I mean I more or less work completely digitally now so yeah I was gonna say that must be the luxury of digital work is that you can do it and then tweak it yes yes although then you'd also like get into stuck into like it's got to be perfect because I could make it yeah, perfect um yeah I tend to I have gotten stuck in that mindset before mm-hmm. and I'm just managing to get myself out of it now good yeah um I've always kind of been guilty of overpainting, like just making mm-hmm. everything you know wanting to blend it all together and then it kind of ends up really sort of shiny and plastic and smooth and it's like actually maybe I need to and I'm thinking about experimenting with working a bit more texture and Mm. kind of that's you know that's the sort of work that I really like when I look at it so when it's um, all perfect it's just a little bit too yeah it's just a little bit too smooth yeah Yeah. it's it's almost like I was gonna say soulless but that's not quite what I mean but maybe it's just it doesn't have character yeah it loses a bit of that so Mm. I'm trying to work out because um yeah how I can sort of bring some more of the energy I have in my sketches Mm -hmm. throw into my um into my more finished work is that like those sketches that you've been doing that you've been turning into uh yeah the gesture drawings yeah Yeah. I really enjoyed them (laughs) I'm really enjoying this someone the other day was like oh I need an animator and I was like have you seen seen gems (laughs) (laughs) they were very impressed I can't remember who it was but they were very impressed I'm not I'm secretly I'm not an animator I've just been copying um very good photo photos from the sort of photo bursts mm-hmm. so oh um, right so someone's taken photo bursts of action of action yeah. and i've just i've just gestured drawing copied them all which has a really it's got an awesome effect but it's, it's doing the job so <laughs> yeah but it, you know I, i'm not sure how much i could do without that support right yeah right sorry person i was <laughs> i was selling gem too yeah <laughs> it's um it's been a good it's been a good practice though mm-hmm. um because i can see sort of how consistent i am with my um with my drawing mm-hmm. so you know in terms of making sure that you know when i'm when i'm observing um i'm getting sort of the the anatomy and the proportions right mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff is is gesture drawing like sort of quick drawing yeah so idea? i spend about a minute on each oh, right. um, on each sort of frame of those yeah. uh, of those animations wow so um and yeah. it's just training you to just do it quickly or um yeah i mean the, the idea movements. is that that it's um yeah um like like with anything with drawing you need to be you need to do exercise mm-hmm. um if you don't exercise you get unfit and yeah. then if you try and draw again it will be painful and yeah. um frustrating just like if you do, if you get really into exercise and then take a break and pick it up mm-hmm. again, it's that's that first day back is always just the most frustrating thing. So you're like, I used to be able to do this, and now well, I can't. I can't. And it's, it's because you stopped. Yeah, um, it's like doing scales on the piano. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, just getting that, you know, getting that muscle memory, and also just being able to, you know, that sort of little bit of practice. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so the idea behind getting into good habits like that, like the regular gesture drawing, mm-hmm. is. Um, yeah, it, it means that you're you know you're you kind of warm you're warmed up so that when you when you then go into your sort of proper drawing session mm-hmm. you know you're not you're not trying to you know make sure your hands moving in the correct way or because that your kind hands of stuff. just good at it hands just good at it and you know you spend enough time looking at people's bodies that you know what a body looks like yeah and um, so you don't have to necessarily spend as much time agonizing about you know how hand holds a cup or Oh, all that yeah. kind of stuff because you know what a hand's going to look like holding a cup because yep. you've spent time looking at hands holding cups and drawing <laughs> yeah and so that's um that's um something that I'm trying to get better at because I've yeah. always I've been previously quite arrogant because I grew up 
you know, knowing I was talented or whatever. Oh, yeah. And so th- then it was um, always like, I don't really need lessons or I don't really need to work at this because it came so easily. Mm-hmm. And actually, you know, that only takes you to a point. And mm-hmm. I really noticed it in the last couple of years that I just felt like I wasn't really getting past that. Mm. And in order to do that, um, you know, the best thing to do is look at the people around you whose work you admire and see what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And um, so what they're doing is they're taking lessons, you know, they're going to life drawing classes, mm-hmm. they're, um, you know, they're talking to each other, they're observing the world around them. And so that's what you need to do as well if you actually want to get Keep good at that. something. Is, yeah. yeah, you know, see what see what your peers are doing, see what the people you, whose work you admire is doing and yeah. work out how you can adapt some of that to your own um, to your own practice so yeah. that's what I'm trying to do at the moment <laughs> really also having that experience of okay I put effort into this thing for a month yeah and I and saw the, a difference yeah and going, so oh I can actually improve that was yeah that was the thing with the with the gesture drawing when I started it I was like oh my god this is so embarrassing I'm never showing anyone these drawings <laughs> they're so bad um but after doing it for a month it was amazing how like the difference mm-hmm. and the, you know it was exactly the same thing I sat down for 20 minutes I did 20 drawings mm-hmm. um and at the end of it I had a bunch of random drawings of scribbles and I went from being able to like focusing too much on the detail and you know getting like half a face down yeah. to being able to get like an entire movement and that really captured the kind of emotion of the pose and so, so yeah so sort of re re working out how to how to look at stuff to observe and sort of capture the most of something um yeah so it's been a really good practice for that it's so great yeah. <laughs> so interesting Oh, yeah, it's interesting. And I've yeah, really noticed the, that it's had a, a more or less instantaneous flow on effect into my other illustration work as well. Oh, wonderful. So as soon as yeah, as soon as I was getting into the habit, like I could more or less instantly feel like I was improving mm-hmm. in al- more, almost all other areas. I can draw boys now. Can you just- <laughs> Like seriously, I've spent like I'm I'm thirty, and I spent until I was thirty years old, absolutely unable to draw boys, and I've been drawing since I was two. That's so amazing. you're just like, oh boys, yeah. I don't oh, know. No, yeah, I've probably drawn like maybe less than fifty across my, you know, thousands and thousands of drawings in mm-hmm. my, um, in my life. And most of the time, when people look at them, they've previously been like, oh, that's a pretty girl, and I'm like, oh gosh, it's like, no, this is a boy. This is the boy one. Mm-hmm. Now I can actually draw them because I've spent enough time actually <laughs> observing. So, so that's, yeah, it is. <laughs> I love that. It's like the opposite of like, uh, like superhero comics. Yeah. Where yeah. they can draw so many different kinds of men. No. With amazing like body types and diversity mm. and the women are all weird. And you're like, I've worked oh. out I've worked out why they're weird though. This is something that I learned oh. by, by by doing gesture drawing as mm-hmm. well. It's from porn. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> Were you gesture drawing from porn? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's spectacular. It was I guess what you need I need some naked people where do you uh-huh. find them. I so see you went great. Yeah. Uh porn pause. No, oh no, just like photos. Oh, great! (laughs) It was like it's like there's like a a, a random um, app, and so people like just put whatever in there, and so people put porn in, and I'm like, I don't know. You're like, all right, I guess this is what I'm I'm drawing this minute. Okay, (laughs) they're they're really um, they're really gross stuff. I'd usually flag and be like, you know, that's this is really inappropriate. Children could be using this app. No, not so much that. I mean, just more like, oh, you know, she probably didn't agree for her picture to be useless. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's a good call. Yeah, so I don't use that one anymore because it made me feel a bit 
scrappy about using people's um you know intellectual property in a way that they yeah that's they, true um haven't necessarily agreed to so now mm. i use a paid service that's also the oh, one right. that's doing the best photography so it, it's right um, it's actually i was gonna ask there must be a something yeah, online yeah. that's doing this for yeah, you yeah yeah um I'll, I'll give them a plug since um <laughs> since they're great um so the website is called bodies in motion mm-hmm. um and the the url is bodies in motion dot photo like dot f-o-g-o f-a-p-h-o oh that sort of like, photo. yeah photo right. like actual physical actual photo. photo great um, and yeah they um that yeah, it's um, I've forgotten his name. But I'm sorry, <laughs> um, but yeah, he's um takes takes to these amazing photos, usually of athletes, but mm-hmm. he, they've also got um like a bunch of other ones showing sort of like full rotation articulation of like shoulder blades and oh, stuff. Wow. So yeah, really cool stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, that's so really helpful. Re- highly recommend if you're looking for um somewhere to to um to practice. Sort of practice your gesture drawing. Um, you can look at all of the gest- all of the motions for free, mm-hmm. um, and you can they're just small compared to if you if you pay money right. then you get like a that's bigger, good so if you can't afford it you can you, still you use can still little, use it but yeah or you can just jump on youtube watch anything and just pause it <laughs> that's, yeah, that's yeah. another option it just um, won't be the same yeah, quality not, yeah so um, or designed for the purpose yeah yeah it's been pretty cool to have sort of fit for purpose stuff awesome yeah that's so great now you brought in some delicious candy mm. which i'm so excited about and it's Japanese candy. Yes, yeah. Which is a great segue yes, to the autobiography. To the actual, yes. <laughs> Autobio comics. So yeah, yeah, so back to the, the comic saga. So Yeah. You've been doing the, like so two years of that. Yeah. And how many have you made now? I think I'm working on the sixth one now. Wow. Yeah. So And 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 is it have they mostly been exploring the one the, the same subject or have they yeah, gone in different directions? They've sort of they've all been um They've all been uh, me exploring my um, my mixed Japanese heritage. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, yeah, so my grandmother is Japanese, mm-hmm. and she moved to, to New Zealand in the fifties yeah. um, with my grandfather, who yeah, who um, met her in Japan. So right, yes, okay, cool. And whereabouts in Japan was she from? And uh, she's from Hiroshima. Oh so, wow, yeah, <laughs> she had quite the life then. She has, she yeah. has. Is she um, still around? She is. Yeah, she oh, lives wow. in she lives in Hastings. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, pretty lucky to still have her, and she is probably like one of the cutest and most hilarious eighty something year olds you're going to meet. That's the best kind yeah. of eighty year old. Yeah. Like, I, although I am aware that that's like quite infantilizing of a group of people, but just like my, my grandparents are about that old, mm. and they're amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like when you get old, you go in one of two directions. Like, you either get really awesome and hilarious or you get really grumpy like, it's your two options so which one do you sometimes want to you can flick between yeah 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 you can yeah. flip be- between yeah. yeah so um yeah so we're really lucky to still have her and um she's um she's read all of my comics oh, wow um and stuff so yeah, yeah it's been it's been interesting for her i think because i don't think she really considers it to be uh, like, or that she does absolutely does not consider me to be Japanese. You know, I don't think she even she doesn't really consider you. No, I don't oh. think she even really considers herself to be like you know. Oh, okay. So very much, you know, it's a very um, in, in Japan even now, if you are if you are born in Japan, you're, you're Japanese, you know, ethnically, mm-hmm. and you leave Japan for more than five years and you come back, mm-hmm. um, you struggle to get a job. 
um, you know, because you're not actually, you're considered to be too much of a foreigner by that point. So that's amazing. That's, that's kind of the level of um, intensity that, that um, Japanese society as a whole can have for wow. uh, for people who come from outside. So, um, you know, Japanese Americans can have a really tough time um, over mm-hmm. there. Um, yeah, I'm pretty much read as white when I go there for the most part. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a weird thing to be sort of exploring what that means um you know because it's it's something that's that's always resonated really strongly with me um I felt I I feel like it's quite a huge part of my life Mm -hmm. and um you know but I'm still in essence like a you know Pākehā Kiwi girl in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways so being able to kind of balance those two things and being like these two these two parts of my identity they don't have to be in conflict yeah and so that's really what i've been trying to explore with with these comics so um the first one i wrote was called folding kimono and it Mm -hmm. was about my grandmother giving me a kimono as a graduation gift Mm -hmm. and how much i loved it it was such a beautiful gift and um but there's nowhere to wear it like where do you wear a kimono in New Zealand, there's yeah. pretty much no occasion, like maybe to a wedding, yeah, and not really anywhere else. Like especially the specific kind of kimono that she gave me, which was a relatively formal one. Mm-hmm. So I can't just, you know, it's not the kind of thing that I could rock on up to like a casual. You wouldn't know, wear it to a party, blossom, you know. Can't wear it to a party. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't, you know, wouldn't even really wear it to anything like a, you know, like an awards thing or something like that. It's just like there's just not the place for it. Mm-hmm. So. um yeah, so you know, I have this amazing, you know, this amazing heirloom essentially, mm-hmm. and they have no way to wear it. Um, I don't know. Like she's, she just has a lot of these sorts of things. So right. some of them were hers, some of them were given to her, and right. you know, I think, I think this one was hers, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's difficult to tell, and sometimes she doesn't really remember either. Yeah. You know, some stuff has stories, and some stuff has less of a story. Yeah. Um, but she's given this one to this you. This one, yeah, and, it's yours. and um, she, you know, she's got she she had like you know drawers and drawers of kimono and obi and all of these sorts of things. Which one's obi? Um, obi is the belt. Oh right, um, yep. So when she gave it to me, um, it was you know we had like we had a fitting, and so she brought out a few, <laughs> and we tried them on, and she she dressed me up in them, and she pa- paired it with a specific obi that she thought would match, and that had. Um, it had a specific symbol um, of um, bamboo leaves, which was um, significant to the area that she grew up in, in, um, in Hiroshima, which was called um, Takehara, and um, Take means bamboo. So, um, so yeah, so all of that sort of stuff is, yeah, sort of like family symbols and things. And so, yeah, so she picked this specific one because, you know, she thought it would, would match me. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and so I, you know, bundled it up, and I think I did like a, you know, you know, post design school arty photo shoot with my I was gonna say surely you've done a photo shoot <laughs> yeah, with yeah. it because um you know and and then I bundled it up and I didn't really think about it anymore and it just kind of moved with me and it you know it's sort of bundled up in um um furoshiki which is like um just like a, a tied oh. cloth oh right yeah um so it was you know bundled up in that mm-hmm. and I didn't really think too much about it until I went to get it out for my friend's wedding and when I did that, I realized that I hadn't folded it properly when I'd put it away the last time. Oh and so it had creases in it. And I was like, oh, no, it's made of silk, right? And yeah. it's just like, fuck, <laughs> yeah. oh, no, what have I done? And so 
tr- I put it I put it on and it's like I you know if you've ever tried to dress yourself in a silk kimono it is insanely difficult because they're so heavy yeah and they're just so slippery because they're also made of silk and mm-hmm. so I had this experience um, trying to get ready uh, you know practicing for my friend's wedding mm-hmm. I um yeah I, I sort of put it on a few a few times in about in advance and was just like it's just not sitting right like I can't get it to work right like there's all of these folds in it and I read on the internet for ages like how do I get rid of creases in my kimono and they're like oh what you just need to do is fold it up properly and put it under all your other kimono (laughs) and I was like (laughs) okay You're like, that's not helpful. This is like, this is, yeah, this is my one kimono. I was like, you can't do it. Yeah, it's amazing. So they just fold them and then, and then put them away. Yeah, or and they press yeah. out themselves. Yeah, or oh, wow. in, in Japan, you'd potentially take them to a specific, like a specialty right. cleaner mm-hmm. or um, something like that. And I was mm-hmm. trying to research, like, can I get this dry cleaned? And they're like, no, because mm-hmm. it's silk. That's not what you do. I was like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like I wouldn't trust a stranger with it anyway. Yeah. And, um, and all of this stuff. And they were like, hang it in the bathroom and let it steam out. And I'm like, okay, I'll try that. And it didn't help at all (laughs) and so um eventually what I did is I ended up I ended up steam ironing it very very delicately through like several layers of um tea towel Mm -hmm. with um with my flatmate kind of um holding it sort of stretched out while we sort of delicately like moved it it was just like oh my god this is the most stressful half hour like don't fuck it up don't fuck it up yeah yeah but um yeah in the end like I managed to get the creases out but um Yes, it was very stressful and it made me feel very like I'd kind of betrayed a part of my heritage Mm. by not being able to sort of properly look after this thing. Even though Japanese girl, same age as me, in Japan, wouldn't necessarily have any better access to... They may have had exactly the same situation. Yeah, exactly. But the thing with that is that they wouldn't be expected to Mm. um, necessarily. And I mean, it's not like I'm expected to either, but because I'm further away from that um, from Japan and in general, I feel like I have to. I mean, I do have to put in more of an effort to stay yeah. connected. It feels like a bigger so responsibility is, to yeah. look after it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, it's mm. um, it's got more um, more kind of impact because it's it's more kind of alone. Yeah. yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. So I had a big sad about that, and um, <laughs> and then turned yeah. it into art. And then it turned it into art. <laughs> I did it. I took a sad photo of my kimono all rolled up, and I was like, oh, sad. About this and um then i painted a picture of it in photoshop and i was like oh it kind of looks like a heart that's really poetic i didn't mean for that to happen and then i was like oh and it's kind of gonna be a comic i guess so i wrote it <laughs> i like that it just happened this kind of happened this is what mostly this sort of stuff happens so yeah, yeah so it just kind of turned into a thing and i thought it was like the worst thing i'd ever written and which is usually how I feel before I publish anything. And, but you yeah. published it anyway. I did. Yeah, I was like, oh, who's going to want to read this? It's so self-indulgent. It's so, um, it's so um, like who who really cares about what one little mixed girl from New Zealand thinks? Mm-hmm. Um, you know about how to deal with all of this sort of stuff. It's you know it's not something that anybody that affects anybody apart from me. Mm-hmm. Um, turns out I was really wrong. <laughs> how many reblogs did it get on the old Instagrams? Um. Okay, oh, on Tumblr. Yeah, on Tum- Tumblr. Tumblr. That's what I mean, not Instagram. <laughs> Tumblr. Um, I think it's over ten thousand now, and that's amazing. It occasionally, will still sort of pop up again and mm-hmm. um and get a few more. And most of those were in the first kind of month or so. Like it just yeah. would, it just went nuts. Went gangbusters. Turn notifications off. <laughs> that was agonizing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Um, and and everybody was really lovely. Like I've only received um, lovely comments and and lovely notes from people. So, That's impressive on Tumblr. Uh, yeah, yeah, because you know there's there's a lot of snark on Tumblr. Yeah, love you Tumblr, but there's a lot of snark there. Yeah. Um, no, and I found a community of um of other um, Japanese Nikkei. Um, Nikkei just means like um person who is of Japanese heritage that mm-hmm. doesn't that lives outside of Japan mm-hmm. um, although usually it refers to Japanese American community um, mm-hmm. but you can you can sort of more broadly apply it it's becoming more broadly apply, mm-hmm. applied to kind of anyone who's um, of Japanese descent outside of cool outside of Japan that's great so. then so you put this thing out there yeah and yeah and found all of a sudden your I, pe- found, I found people. people yeah I have a pen pal now <laughs> <laughs> Who's um yeah she's from she's from Hawaii mm-hmm. but you know she's Japanese. Um, there's a big Japanese yeah, community there, is, there, right? there is a really big Japanese community mm-hmm. there. Um yeah so she's Japanese and Okinawan which is mm-hmm. um yeah they are different so. <laughs> Which one's o- Okinawa? Okinawa is um is very much <clears throat> it's quite a lot further south mm-hmm. and um like they've got a long history of colonization with Japan and right all of it's, that like, sort so of it's like an island yeah it's an right. island um, right. yeah much much further south right, southwest right, right. of japan oh yeah yeah it's you know it's got its own culture and its own kind of um yeah. you know own dialect language and own yeah. um yeah everything that's small separate. and colonized small and colonized yeah um oh colonialism yeah. eh oh, <laughs> what what champs we are oh, oh gosh that's so interesting yeah because I, I i read the comic and i i found it really lovely and i think I think it's, and it's interesting you say like, you know, it's, you know, it's going to be really self-indulgent. People won't get, or, you know, they'll be like, yeah, oh, yeah. whatever. But being that vulnerable and putting so much out there, that's like, this is the thing that I experienced and being really specific about it means that other people go, I understand that that's not my experience because that's your specific one, but mm. I can see parallels and I can see what's happened and I can relate that to things. Mm. It's like the more specific you are, the more... Yeah, I think yeah. It, I think that really helped. And I mean, um, folding kimono has been the most successful one that I've done in the series. Mm-hmm. Like nothing else has quite taken off mm-hmm. to the same level as that. And I think that um, using the metaphor of the kimono to talk about mixed heritage experience was one that ended up being really successful. Mm-hmm. You know, it was um, it was personal enough that people were able to connect it, mm-hmm. but it was it was distant enough that. Um, that um you know people were also able to bring their own things to it so i mm-hmm. i had um you know the other people from from other cultures coming and saying you know i'm you know i'm also mixed um mm-hmm. have and um and i feel this and i feel this like this is you know this is like you know my the thing that my grandmother gave me which you know is you know, like an instrument from my culture that i don't know how to don't, play. Know, don't know how to play and you know ended up ends up sitting there getting dusty and chip mm-hmm. and stuff and it's like oh yeah you know so it ended up being a lot more, um, a lot more universal than I thought it would be, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, it was really amazing to sort of tap into to to realise just how many people feel that kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, so um, yeah, so I decided I'd do more. That's good. <laughs> and so you're up to six now. Yeah, is that this six is, published? Um, uh, yeah, so they've all just been published online. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, so I'm working on what I think will be the last one. So they're they're not really in chronological order or anything. I've more or less just worked on topics that I've thought mm-hmm. were interesting, mm-hmm. um, or, or angles that I thought were were interesting to explore. So when I went to Japan with my um, with my little brother in 2015, mm-hmm. um, and I was walking around with him, it struck me as we were walking through um, 
through Ueno Station and in Tokyo, mm-hmm. just how Japanese my dad looked because I was surrounded by men who looked like my dad, mm-hmm. and um, I know it's like you know not all not all Japanese people look the same. Like there's actually a very broad range of facial structures, but I was mm-hmm. just really struck by the amount that I could see of my family within the faces of the people around me. Mm. And I just like, you know, I mean, my dad looks pretty Japanese if you look at him, but I, as a little kid, always read him as, you know, just my dad. So I didn't really think about how, mm-hmm. how Japanese he looked until I'm actually like sitting there faced with the fact that, yep, that guy looks really like Japanese my dad man. and that guy and, and that, that guy. guy. <laughs> yep. Yep. So I did a comic about that, which yeah. was, um, very, um, well, I found it really fun and funny yeah. to do. Yeah. Um, it was funny to draw so many pictures of my dad. <laughs> <laughs> did you show your dad? You're yeah, like, Dad, yeah, look. I, just, I did while I was working. I was like, look, Dad, I'm drawing comic um, about how you look like all the men in Japan. He's like, yeah, we all look the same. Like, it's not true, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, it's all right. You're allowed to make that joke. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Okay. He's allowed. So yeah, he's allowed. No one else is allowed. Yeah. Hear that, everybody? It's yeah. the rules. Um, I was, was going to say, oh, um, so when you've done all of them, are you planning on seeing, seeing if you can get them like published, or are you happy um, with just online? Just, I mean, are you happy with solely online online publishing? Um, I think I would like to collect them into a book. Mm-hmm. I'm still not sure exactly what that will look like, but mm. I'm I'm interested in pursuing that this year yeah. and seeing sort of whether whether that sort of takes the more kind of traditional published route or whether I. Um, try to do crowdfunding again or mm-hmm. um, really I mean the thing is with a with a book um, it's so expensive you know especially mm-hmm. at the you know full color all of these pages yeah it's not know, just words on a page it's no and you know being so fussy about like the paper stock and you know the binding and mm-hmm. you know what kind of inks you use and all of that sort of stuff and mm-hmm. you know you can get real nerdy real quick <laughs> and then real expensive but hey some people are into that oh they they are but it's just whether or not there's the um again this is me being like no one will read it no one will want it so thousand <laughs> people might read yeah, it ten thousand so um so that's the um yeah that's like the, the sort of general plan but mostly mm-hmm. i just want to get through this last one which is kind of um it's a bit of a weird one where it's and it's it's sort of a bit more reflective i mean you know they've all been reflective in a certain but this way one's but this more one's, reflective. this one's more reflective it yeah. is like putting a mirror to the mirror and yeah. then it's sort of bouncing back and forth between <laughs> it because it's um it is me pretty much kind of um looking back over the last two years of me writing these comics and mm-hmm. sort of how my perception of my identity has shifted over those two mm. years because that's the thing is that identities do shift and that's mm. that's a really natural thing i think to sort of have a have a sort of shifting understanding of who you are in the world mm-hmm. and what exactly that means so mm-hmm. it's been um it's been interesting it's been hard yeah um yeah there's been a lot of there's been a lot of working on this comic um and um you know different parts of these um of these comics that i've just had to like just like take a moment and just like go and draw something else for a while and mm-hmm. go and you know take myself away because it can get it gets very emotional to be bringing this kind of stuff up so mm-hmm. i am looking forward to going back to writing fiction <laughs> and <laughs> getting getting away from myself for a bit because yeah. it's um it is very exhausting to draw your own face over and over I and bet. um you know especially gets very like i guess that's you staring into the mirror of yeah, like this is how yeah, i see myself yeah. right now and it's um it's you know drawing yourself at different different points in time Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes it's really sweet. Like I've got one of my favorite ones at the moment is, um, and this current one is um, my great uncle laughing at me, oh. which he did a lot while oh. we were in Japan. 
so we just thought, I just thought we were so hilarious. Like we we're just so earnest. We we're just like we care so much, and he's just like you're fucking everything up more or less. And it's just like, oh god, oh no, how am I? I'm just like so embarrassed. What did I say? What did I do? And it's just like he's not going to tell me because he, he he just thinks speak. it's funny. But he just thinks it's funny, but also he doesn't speak English, so it's oh. me trying to work out what he means via like this little um, digital. Di- um, dictionary that he has so it's not even like a translator or anything it just has it's He's just like, a here's dictionary a word. It's like, here's a word you know so it'd be like lunch <laughs> or it, actually it would be like dinner at lunchtime and he'd be like dinner dinner you want yeah. dinner should we go get dinner and i'd be like it's lunchtime but yes <laughs> yes i want food thank yes. you yes that's so sweet oh that's wonderful well i hope it does get published i'd really like mm. to to oh um, i will make it happen one way yeah. or another yeah Yep, I'm yeah, thinking right. I might, you know, get some special editions bound and, you know, oh, give them to my grandma and stuff. So good. Yeah. And it feel, as you were saying, it's not chronological, but it sounds like it's chronological in terms of, like, what it explores as opposed yeah. to time. Yeah, so... Well, not, not chronological. It has, it, has it has a path. It has, it has a, a path, it has a journey. yeah. It does. So I, I, know, I have thought a little bit about that. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure that necessarily, you know, if they do end up in a book, Mm-hmm. that they would necessarily be in the order that I wrote them. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, there's definitely been... I mean, each one I've I've written based on where, wherever it is that I am at the time of writing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the one about, like, my dad's face that I wrote after I came back from um, from Japan the first time, and then I wrote another one when I came back from Japan the second time. And, um, Have you Had you been to Japan a lot before those two times? No. So I went oh. when I was 16. Right. Um, and then I hadn't been again until 2015. Right. So, wow. So, yeah, it was a, about 12 years, I think, between the two trips. Okay. Yeah. So it was a long time, and it had been in my heart the whole time. And mm. so I don't feel like I'd spent 12 years away from Japan, but, mm. Yeah. Um, have you got another trip booked already yeah <laughs> where are you going this time uh so um good um uh, doing um tokyo and then sort of osaka kyoto mm-hmm. kind of kansai area and Wonderful. then we'll go down to hiroshima again yeah. um and hopefully see um, my great uncles again down there awesome. um, did you yeah. go to miyajima yes that's so great joe and i did like three weeks around japan and yeah. so yeah hiroshima and miyajima and so like we had these like really really contrasting experience because Miyajima is this beautiful island full of deer yeah. and oysters and beer and having a great time and riding bikes and then Hiroshima is like or Hiroshima sorry is like um you know the peace museum mm. and yeah. the the dome and just being like oh, oh that's that's reality this, is, this yeah. is heavy this is a heavy yeah. important time yeah but also Okonomiyaki so yes Okonomimura is one of the best places <gasps> in the whole world it's so great <laughs> I was like we did not realize sort of what we'd walked into we were just mm. like oh my god no, this place this is full is, of pancakes <laughs> that's when, when, um, when Jake and I went in there we didn't know either like we yeah. just kind of wandered down and it was like oh my god <laughs> this is <laughs> the like, greatest yeah. I was like well that place is called you know it's called o- Okonomi Village so let's go in there because that's yeah. what we want so, so good yeah, it was, yeah no, it's, it's amazing yeah mm-hmm. um, um, yeah, my grandma's experience there. I mean, it's very much her experience, but it's still, you know, the the way that war filters through our lives through generations mm. is a kind of a scar that doesn't really heal. Mm. And I think that's something that we have um, been very privileged to be able to ignore. Mm. But if you actually look at it, it's it's something that's um, that sort of forever kind of. You know, it's forever changed the shape of the world. 
people's families and therefore yeah yeah, yeah my family different changed and that and if everybody is is then everybody is changed yeah, and the whole yeah. world has changed well you know my um so my, yeah my grandmother she wasn't there during the explosion um she lived in she was living um outside in, in a different village um mm-hmm. for safety reasons yeah. um because you know they moved most of the children out of the cities because they were being firebombed and oh, stuff God. um so she grew up, or you know, so she spent a lot of the war in, in, you know, in Takehara, which was over the, the hill. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so, but she went the day after to try and help with my great-grandmother. And so she was exposed to the radiation then on the second day and also all of the violence and um, death and destruction. So yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a very scary time this year to be sort of looking at the, the reality of, of where we are politically and thinking that we could in any way be heading towards another nuclear anything because it just makes me filled with like anger and and dread and intense guilt in a way like I just feel like I've betrayed my grandmother and that I haven't that we haven't been able to stop this this is like people who are still alive now and they can they know they know this stuff is coming around again and there's so many people that we're failing Mm. so it's um yeah, it's it's, awful. it is awful, and we need to do better. Yeah, fuck fascism. Yeah. Resist, resist. <laughs> this, this podcast in, in endorses resistance. Yep, one hundred percent. Oh god. Well, we'll find some more helpful links for resistance, but mm. but uh, on that cheery note, yeah. hey, no, that was really lovely. It was so interesting to talk to you about all that stuff, and um, I just realised I've got a piece of your art just here on my wall. Oh wow! Um, it's just you'll be able to see it on the other side of the baffling. It's um, um the you'll be able to see it. But I just was like, it's there. It's <laughs> art of yours on the wall, um, and you have got work at what's your website? Jimshed dot com. J e m s h e d com yeah we'll put a bunch of links in the in the thing in so the people thing. can check it out and buy your your pins and stuff yeah, yeah have pins <laughs> yeah that's so great pineapple cat makes me really happy oh, <laughs> we've got pineapple cat and pineapple cat and admit none on, oh, a, yeah. on my jacket yeah. i really like them both um but that was awesome and really lovely to talk to you in it like yeah. your jam is rad oh thanks <laughs> <laughs> um thanks so much yay thank you That was episode three of What's Your Jam with Jim Yoshioka. You can check out her website at gemshed, J-E-M-S-H-E-D.com. And I'll make sure I include a few links to uh, to her various things in the description of the app. The app, you know what it is, the episode. Um, this is going really well. I'm really enjoying these chats. I hope you have uh, enjoyed listening along. I know that a whole hour every day is pretty intense, but it's pretty intense to make. So if I can put the hours into recording it, you should... You should put the hours into listening. Um, that's not really how that works, but you know, hopefully something along the way, uh, more than maybe more than one of these episodes will grab your attention. Um, as always, if you have any feedback, chuck it, chuck it my way to whatsyourjam.nz. And also, just as a FYI, I do have a Patreon page. Uh, this is kind of a koha show in that. It's free to listen to. Anybody can listen to this. There's no cost involved. There's no barrier there. But if you do want to contribute to the costs involved in making it, just um, look up What's Your Jam on Patreon. There's a link on my website. And if you want to chuck a buck every month or as long as I make it, then um, that would be awesome. Please please do whatever your heart tells you as, as <laughs> it should be in your life. Do what your heart tells you uh, and be safe. Anyway. <laughs> that's a good enough ramble to wrap me up here 
Let's roll the credits. Ciao, Bellas. What's Your Jam is recorded in Wellington and is part of the New Zealand Fringe Festival 2017. Music by Robbie Ellis. Casual interference and support from Molly the Cat. Tea provided by Tea Leaf Tea on Manor Street. Jam expertly crafted by Bachmans. This show is hosted and produced by me, Jennifer O'Sullivan, and you can find useful links, more episodes, and suggest future guests by visiting whatsyourjam.nz. Thanks for listening.